It is 4 o'clock here on KZSU 90.1 FM. My name is Jacob Nydig here for your weekly rendition of The Sports Zoo with my co-host, the one, the only, Zach Zafrin. We have a special guest in studio today to break down some of the sports happening here on campus, but also abroad. Zach, how are you doing on this wonderful Wednesday today? Jacob, as I've shared with you, uh, could be better, could be better. We're in the midst of fall quarter. The weather is turning, but we still have sports to turn to, so that is always a positive. And another positive is right here in the studio, we have another special guest and another in-house KZSU broadcaster. Uh, with us today, making his sports zoo debut is Diego Malacher. Hope I didn't butcher that. No, uh, you're good. Diego, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, what year are you? Where, where, where are you from? Yeah, I'm Diego. I'm a I'm a freshman, and I'm from Sacramento. Uh, means I'm obviously a Kings fan. That's probably the Ooh. yeah. We're we, you know what we had a good season last year. Trying to build on that this year, so we'll see. And then uh, obviously Stanford sports fan, and um, got a quite a couple, quite a few other teams in there too. A's fan, so that one's been rough. Oof, there you go. Soon to be Las Vegas, likely. Yeah, then I might not. Then I might not be an A's fan anymore. As a as a lifelong Warriors fan, uh, I love that you're a Kings fan, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll touch on that later. Um, so you said you've been a Stanford fan, obviously. You know, SAC, a couple hours up north. Uh, I'm thinking, what you know, SAC State, UC Davis up there. But has Stanford always been your team? Uh, not really. Mostly since I decided I was going to apply here, that's gotcha. when I that's when I started really following Stanford sports. For sure. So you mentioned the A's, the Kings. I'm guessing basketball, baseball, two big sports for you. Anything else you would say you're a big fan of? Chargers fan. Charge. That's Chargers a fan. Yeah. Chargers fan. Yeah. Pre? Are we talking pre or post moving to LA? Uh, definitely pre. Pre. Gotcha. Yeah. Got any any ties to San Diego? Uh, yeah. Parents are from uh, the area and both grew up Chargers fans. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Is Justin Harbert the answer? Uh, you know, I think he's the answer. I don't think uh, Brandon Staley is, though. Ooh, ooh, we can talk about it. Isn't yet. <laughs> I that's a what do you, where do you stand on the Justin Herbert debate, Zach? Oh, man, I I I love him. It's that 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 poor guy has to put up with that defense. That is that's just kind of the state over there in San Diego. Also, that fan base. I yeah, know. it's it's rough. I, I made it down to a game this year that was fun, but okay. it's it's it was a pretty even split. So yeah, well, I mean, as an, another brother with long hair, I have to support Justin Herbert. I'm obligated. <laughs> Us long-haired folks have to stick together. So besides the the on-field play, yeah, I'm a I'm I stand in a similar position as you, Zach. That Justin Herbert. You throw him on another team, he he could lead you deep into the playoffs. Very true. Justin Herbert, uh, obviously hailing from Oregon. So we've seen him here on the farm. Um, Of course, when we were playing him, you could argue we were a tad better than where we are now. Um, You know, entering close to the end of the season, Stanford football, 2-6, and fresh off of what some might say is honestly – their best showing, even though they came up short in a loss against number five Washington, thirty-three to forty-two last Saturday. Diego, we'll start with you um, specifically on this game. What did you see? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but surely you did not anticipate something that close. Uh, you know, I really didn't. I've been, I've been hoping for an upset. At for, or, well, I guess there was only the second game, but for each game since the Colorado game, I've been looking for. 
an upset to come, but I didn't I didn't yeah, expect you, it would you, be that me close. and everyone else. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. So I was I was hoping something like that would happen. I was and it was tough. I was talking after the game. Uh, it was tough because you know they gave you that hope. We had we had it. We it looked like we had it there a couple times. So. That that drop pass on fourth down really hurt, but it. Poor soul, you've never seen a Stanford victory, have you? At least not on. Campus. Not in not in person, no. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the closest <laughs> thing was the Colorado uh, celebration that happened on campus after. Yeah, that was about it. That is, you know, they're paying me the big bucks to say words here, but uh, that makes me absolutely speechless to think that we're this far into the season, and, and that's. That's tough. And, I mean, that's just going to re-contribute to the lack of student engagement for years to come now because you're, you know, in a way just pushing a whole class now away yeah. from the game. No, I hated, I hated seeing the student section that empty, but I also love the fact that nobody left because the people who were there were the ones who were going to be engaged anyways. And it was a close game, so nobody was going to leave. Maybe a maybe a bad look for the sports zoo, but uh, on Sports Illustrated, there was an, an article about Stanford fans disrespecting the football team, and my face was in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I think that photo was at the end of the Arizona game when no one, that one was hurt. there. So yeah, that so, one hurt. There you go. I stayed till the end of that one too. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think even some of the announcers have thrown jabs at. Uh, in some of the games about Stanford students, but I feel like if you're not in the culture on campus, it's a little bit hard to adequately understand. I mean, yeah, you're just it's com- it's a completely different vibe where people just you know go to games and and that's fun and you'll buy in no matter what. Which I mean, I obviously wish it was like that, but that's just not the way it is here. It's always interesting, you know. It was it's always interesting having to persuade people to come to the game. Like guys, you should come show up for the game it'll be fun yeah we have a team you know exactly (laughs) exactly yeah we have a a wide spectrum here on the zoo jacob coming from texas obviously football people live and breathe that i'm from the area but i I would say bay area football is a huge thing also into a small school so it wasn't really a staple of our culture what's that priory represent Uh, (laughs) for you though um you know what? What was kind of the school culture, football culture like growing up? School, school spirit, a big thing. Is it a big change coming here to the farm? Honestly, for my high school that I went to, it was really similar to Stanford. I would say. I'd say there was a little bit more, a few more people looking forward to you know the Friday night games, yeah. but people would leave after halftime all the time, and it was it was tough. My first like three years there, I think we won one game each season, so it wasn't it wasn't a great great support for our football team yeah uh kind of jumping to another topic that we've touched on a lot besides student engagement the quarterback situation i mean ashton daniels what a performance he had against washington ran for two touchdowns threw to another he had 350 passing yards which you know i'm not going to say that's becoming somewhat of a norm but he's done he's put up very impressive performances in multiple games now throughout the year. Diego, where do you stand on the quarterback situation and, you know, what started as the the two-quarterback situation versus now Ashton Daniels really taking over? Is this the quarterback of the future for Stanford? I think he's definitely showing signs. It's definitely looking like he's going to be here for a while, and hopefully he stays around and just gets better because we got to – the schedule just dropped for next year and for the next seven years for the ACC. And just today it was announced we're playing San Jose State next year, I believe. And so that that should be pretty fun. We got to 
if we have a decent quarterback and then we got a receiving core that's on the up and up, that should be that should be fun. Yeah, I mean, the last three games, I feel like he's really, you know, turned a corner after that Oregon game. 396 against Colorado, 268, and then 367, I guess, is what Stanford has him. I just mentioned 351. Also, multiple touchdowns in each of those games, both running and passing. So, you know, looking at that schedule that's dropped, where where does this team go? Next year, I mean, yeah. it feels like we're at a different, like you know, we we've talked about this a lot, but it feels like post Washington, the trajectory of Stanford football has has really changed almost, in a way. Zach, I'll throw that over to you first. Is is this one game against Washington enough to change your opinion on on where we could go, or how do you feel about that? Definitely not enough to change my opinion but again I mean my sentiment I'd say is mostly positive I think we are at the start of the rebuild each year will be more and more improvement Um, obviously you can't expect that to come quick and the question of course we don't know is what is that ceiling are we looking at you know the height of Troy Taylor's program is a 7-8 win team or are we ever reaching those double digit games are we even talking ever about a New Year's Six Bowl um Certainly, my confidence is raised about the ceiling as a possibility, but as of right now, no, this this one game uh, doesn't mean much. Look, Washington, fresh off of a game in which they very well could have lost to Arizona State at home as well. I mean, ranked number five right now, sure, but they're not playing. I don't know how. Yeah, they're not playing like it. Yeah, and it's interesting. You mentioned New Year's Six Bulls. That's going to be tough because I think those are all playoff games now. Yeah, well, the 12-team format. yeah. So, you know, maybe a playoff is not out of the equation when you when you frame it that way. Of course, we're at least a few years removed away from that. I've remained a strong uh, proponent of the fact that year three will be the year, at least the start of it. Uh, but these next two years can be up and down and, and probably more down than up. Well, you look at the schedule for next year and there's none of the huge ACC powerhouses that we're playing except Clemson. And they've they're four and four this year. So if we can put numbers up against them, and then none of the other schools are the huge powers in the ACC. We don't have Miami. We don't have Florida State. We don't have North Carolina. So we might there's there's definitely a path next year. Yeah, absolutely. I also saw that the the schools that we're locked in against, I think, are just Cal and SMU, yep. which I think is is quite favorable for us because seems like those are be those will be two games that will be very favorable for us any given year yeah um throw in you know three non-conference games through and and then that could easily push us into a trajectory where you only have to win two games in the acc to make a bowl game every year which you know i i think is a very doable task for for troy taylor or really, if you put any of us three at the head of the Stanford football program, mm-hmm. should be able to do that. But Yeah, I mean, the ACC, obviously something we've talked a lot about on this show, because Pac-12, for who knows what reason, coming into their own this year, Oregon, Washington, I mean, shoot. I mean, there was like a point where we had, there was eight teams in the yeah. top 25, yeah. <laughs> Outrageous. What are your thoughts on ACC football? I mean, obviously Clemson, not the school it has shown it could be in the last decade. Um, Dabo's still there, so there's potential for that to resurge. Duke and UNC kind of coming into their own as football programs. I personally think that that's something that'll stay. Miami, um, 
obviously pretty good. Florida State potentially on the way out. Is this a conference that we should fear from a competition perspective? Um, or is this something that we will be welcoming with open arms in the fact that, hey, there's maybe some more victories on the table coming our way? It really depends on the year, just looking at the schedule, because next year we have we have – it looks like some of the easier teams in the in the conference, but uh, the year after we have Miami and Virginia away and North Carolina, and those all look like difficult games. And we also Plus bring Florida State, Florida State here. State, yeah, no. yeah. So that's those are all going to be difficult. It's really going to depend on the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I do think that next year seems like it could be a really favorable year for Stanford football. Though you look at the non-conference games, you look at who we're bringing here. Louisville, SMU, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. Virginia Tech and Wake Forest seem like games we should win. It depends on what SMU does. But even traveling to NC State and Syracuse, those to me seem like relatively favorable matchups. At least four of those eight we should win. And, and to the me, thing I'm most scared of is Syracuse is the weather. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, I mean, I don't want to say we could be in a bowl game next year, but if I was betting right now, I, I would put us at six or seven wins relatively easy wow Uh, Diego I'm curious how quick um, of a turnaround you see happening especially under the helm of Troy Taylor because I I don't think we get to that 500 mark really till year three yeah I mean I'm from Sacramento so I watched Troy Taylor's last season there and that was that was kind of a wild ride for me because he's he came to Stanford same time I did uh, so that was that was like a package deal (laughs) pretty much yeah exactly they that was part of the deal um, but just watching his last season at Sac State and the way he he had that team rolling, they were they were just mowing through everybody in the conference. I I obviously Power Five is a different beast, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he can do. I think I think he can. I definitely wouldn't say a bowl game's out of the question next year. For next year, wow, wow, we have a Troy Taylor believer. You're two of them. I, I, yeah. I mean, the the thing is, two of our four. Non-conference games are programs that I mean. Well, I would have said the same thing about Sac State, but Cal Poly and San Jose State. There's no reason why we should lose to those teams. And then from there, you if that you get two wins there, you only have to win four out of eight in conference. That, that should be doable. That should be doable. Well, you've seen the highs of Troy Taylor, that's for sure. Uh, and it's fair to say you've seen the lows now. Okay, yeah, right. A rough year so yeah. far. Why has it gone this way? Is this one what you anticipated at, at all? Especially, you know, you, 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 this guy turned around Sac State from nothing into vying for the best team in the FCS, right? Yeah. Is this something you anticipated has gone the way you thought it would? I figured it was going to be rough just because of all the difficulty Stanford has in the transfer portal. Yeah. And trying to keep up with the rest of the with the rest of the country uh, without access to that is is difficult. So I was expecting it to be a little difficult. Um, Obviously, the loss to Sac State was pretty brutal, and just getting thrubbed by USC, I was like, that that one, that one, that one hard to watch. But uh, he's given us some good moments with uh, Colorado and with um, and with the Washington game, and so I think he might be able to might be able to move the program in a positive direction. Got you, got you. How about for the rest of the year? Not an easy road. Washington State, they're meh, but they do have some significant victories yeah. uh, on their schedule this year. And then Oregon State, top 12 team. Cal, big game. You never know what's going to happen. And then obviously ranked Notre Dame. Yeah. 
what would constitute a successful rest of the season? Whether it's a certain amount of wins, whether it's continued development of Ashton Daniels, EJ Smith finally getting the touches. Finally, I thank God for that. <laughs> Feels like we've been begging for that for so long. Sorry, continue on. <laughs> no, you're good. I'd I'd love to see wins against especially Washington State and Cal. Mm-hmm. Um I mean Technically, we're still in the running for a bowl game, but we'd have saying. to beat <laughs> we'd have to beat Oregon State, and we'd have to beat Notre Dame. I mean, we beat Notre Dame last year, and so anything's possible. Well, it'll 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 be interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride. Okay, okay, Jacob. That's already a topic we've talked about. So I guess that'll leave us with a, a bit of a preview, right? You said Washington State seems a little winnable. I personally don't remember the last time we pulled out a win in Pullman. It almost seems like it's a bit of our kryptonite. Um, but, you know, these last three weeks, of course, UCLA, maybe not the case, but positives more so than the previous weeks. We've seen flashes. We've seen flashes. What flashes need to remain a constant this weekend for that that win to happen? I, I don't know. Are we getting Elick back? Uh, I don't know the latest on his injuries. Because uh, if we have him, that's a, that's a huge thing. Because I know we... Troy likes to throw a couple of them each half, and if if we can connect on any of those deep balls, those those are huge for for our offense. Hundred percent. Obviously, coming out game against Colorado has continued to just throttle defenses since. Uh, the latest update I've seen is Troy Taylor yesterday said he's hopeful uh, that he'll be able to play this week. So sounds like better news than one can anticipate. Yeah, unclear exactly. I guess that I could likely see that becoming a, a game time decision. Yeah. Um, but you know, line currently set at thirteen and a half points. I guess let's just get down, down right to it. Are we winning? And if the answer is no, are we covering? Um, I say we have a good chance at covering for sure. Winning's going to be a bit tougher of a proposition, especially I think up in Pullman. But we played a close game against Washington, even closer than the final score suggested, and uh, I think. Washington's, you know, a really good team. Their last two weeks wouldn't suggest it, but obviously the playoff committee still thinks so. They rank them number five, and if we can go that that toe to toe with the number five team, I think we have a chance in Pullman. There you go. We like to do score predictions on this show. Um, I'll give you more time to brew on it. We'll start with you, Jacob. You know, comes down to it, who's walking out on top and by how much? Yeah, I think Stanford. You know. I believe in the program again after the game against Washington. <laughs> All it was a close <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Yeah, no, really. You know, it's nice to not get blown out for one. Yeah, no, and the, the thing is, it was still so heartbreaking to lose. It felt as if every single thing that needed to happen for us to upset Washington happened, mm-hmm. and we still didn't win. So that, that was a little bit tough to digest. But coming away, you know, I, I said at the beginning of the season, I don't like wins and losses will not be the judge of the team it will be other things like effort uh scheme player development and it feels like a lot of those are trending in the right direction and i'm just a homer that wants to buy into the football program i want us to be good so i think the team uses this week i think from what i've been hearing have had a good week in practice that this even though they lost it's pushed the team farther along in a positive direction of we are you know a few steps away, but we're we are you know relatively close, and I think Washington State feels like an opponent that could underestimate Stanford a little bit. Um, 
I think Ashton Daniels has another phenomenal game. I think uh, the way our offense is set up is really poised to keep Stanford in the game. I don't have high hopes for the defense, but I think this is a game that that could be pretty ugly and, and comes out Stanford's way. Okay, well, I for some reason I don't know if it's you guys optimism <laughs> off of me. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about Stanford. I'm right, you know, coming off against a really good showing against a really good team, Washington State. That they haven't been too hot recently. Even then, I just feel like I need to identify the emotion, set it aside. I just think Washington State walks away with this one. I'm going to go 34-24, favor the Cougars. I think Washington's, there's a good chance we get gashed for a couple big plays and at least a few touchdowns for them. Um, but you know what? I think Ashton Daniels is going to lead a game-winning drive that ends in a Cardi field goal. Oh, 23-21 I like it. I Stanford. Like 23-21. You've got to love that score line. Okay. Yeah, I guess if I had to give an official score... Uh, I think this. I think Stanford would, would probably pull this one out. I think thirty four thirty one. I think it's. I think it's a close one with a lot of big plays. I think Cam Ward and Nakia Watson do dice us up for a couple big plays, but what keeps us in it is not our defense. I don't think anyone expects that. I think our offense finds a way to 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 get to push past that and and brings home a win. There you go. I guess my question for you, Diego, is. The uniforms we suit up in are, are yeah. those going to have any impact? You know, we saw Stanford sport those those black unis with a white helmet. I think that's we've never seen that combo before. I think they've had a similar combo, not with that specific helmet though. Uh, yeah, uh, it's is, uh, is a you know a primetime showing something that will will help us. You know, suit it up in I don't know something special. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, they obviously haven't released the uniforms for this week, but last week those ones were interesting. I really liked how they looked on the screen on uh, when they the social media department released the uniforms. On the field, they didn't look as good as I thought they would. I th- <laughs> I, I I thought they would look a lot better, but the uh, it was interesting. I don't think there was enough red on the helmet to yeah. to match the red n- numbers on the uniforms. The black white combo helmet uniform is tough to match. Speaking of all-time uniforms in, in Stanford football, I mean, my mind instantly travels, and it's probably because it's associated with good memories, is uh, Oregon 2021, hosted them here at home, number three team in the country, retro, had the old-timey S, no stripes on the sleeves, gosh, those things were a beauty. Uh, Jacob, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen what you're talking about, yeah. And anything else come to mind for you guys in all-time uniforms? Obviously, Andrew Luck era, black on black, That that's something I'm thinking of. I like the ones we pulled out against Oregon this year, and I mean, you know, against Oregon, you always have to pull out your best uniforms, because otherwise it's, you're just going to get walked <laughs> off the field. They, they, they know what they're doing up there usually uh, with Nike and Phil Knight, but... Uh, I, I, I really like the, those ones. Um, I think the black helmet, black uniform, those match nicely. I think the uh, it was interesting. The ones they just wore, the, I think what really hurt them was the the white shirts they had under the jerseys. Those those didn't look good at all. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like the helmet, the, the white and the red was a really interesting design, and it, I think it allowed the players to switch their cleats as well, but... It was too much happening, too much contrast happening at one time. Um, although I, I love the fact that we're mixing things up. I don't know if this is uh, something that's been planned for years. This is something Troy Taylor pushed, but 
this is something that makes recruits excited, it makes mm-hmm. fans excited, it makes the current players excited. Um, and, you know, Stanford isn't a school like Alabama or Penn State or, or even UT where, you know, you have your aways, you have your homes, you wear nothing else. So Stanford is rooted in tradition, but not quite to that level. And so, you know, yeah, sometimes it takes wearing something and you're like, eh, that maybe wasn't our best look. But the fact that we are innovating at all, it, it to me is exciting. So, yeah, I didn't didn't actually love it. Um, the hype video they released agree made me significantly yeah, that, that more. Really, I was really excited. Yeah, no, the, and the way they like pull it off the vault and everything with the axe, I was like, wow, we're are we back? We could we could be back. And then yeah, I saw it and I was like, okay, yeah, maybe this doesn't go as well. But to me, the bigger thing is that we're you know we just I, I don't know a new helmet is fun. It's yeah. it's exciting mm-hmm. and I to me that's more what it's about anyways. There you go. There you go. I'm hoping we look good this week because I don't. I don't like Washington State when they always they always pull out in those drab gray uniforms. Those always, those ones. Are, I think they're probably one of the probably the worst chess team in the Pac-12. You make the the the, the Oregon State orange is, is sometimes the black. I like the blacks, but uh, yeah, I, that orange just uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything about Washington State is just a little bit odd to me. Like <laughs> Pullman, the way the field was is it's just like. They just yeah they they're a little different over there and uh, at Washington State in my opinion <laughs> but you know to each their own. Well, uh, another uh, Stanford program that has some nice retros, the Stanford men's basketball team. Um, they're kicking off their season less than a week from now, um, coming up on Monday. Probably lower quality basketball than the Sacramento Kings, Diego, <laughs> but um, but higher than the Warriors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how how uh, in tune with the team are you? Do, have you been able to watch in the last few years? I know this is your first year on the farm. Are you familiar with just kind of last few years how things have been going? Uh, I haven't familiarized myself too much with the team. I know they're they're not phenomenal yet, yeah. but uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten too familiar with the team you yet. You Probably just want to think twenty twelve Lakers. You want to think the Clippers <laughs> this year. A lot of talent. Not a lot to show for it as a late. Stanford men's basketball is a program where five stars come to die. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we change this year. We got two five stars that are freshmen um, hoping to show out. But, of course, we can't ignore the fact that we have some really good returners. Uh, leading scorer in Spencer Jones. Of course, graduate student Michael Jones also returning for another year. Um, a lot of talent still remains on the team and and i'd add maybe potentially got rid of some players that maybe didn't necessarily contribute to the the type of basketball that we would like to see straight i just want a ball handler and we got rid of the two people that dribbled the ball but didn't handle the ball so (laughs) i'm excited about that (laughs) the question remains that we have missed the uh ncaa tournament ever since uh jared ass came into uh, his position, and so year after year, we enter the season as: are, Is this the year? Are we finally going to make the tournament? Personally, I still do not believe this is the year. However, I remain optimistic, and I think that there are big strides to be made. Um, for you, you know, do you see a potential in this team? Kind of finished lower at the end of the Pac-12 tournament, still walked away with a win in the first round. Um, for you, knowing that haven't been to the Pac-12 tournament in a while amidst some turnover but return some senior leadership what constitutes a good season for you um i mean i'd like to go deep in the pac-12 tournament and obviously a tournament bid is what every program is shooting for um 
it'll be it'll be interesting because this is our last year in the Pac-12, and the competition's almost pretty arguably or pretty inarguably going to get tougher next year. Oh. So. We got <laughs> ACC basketball's a, a different beast. I, and Cooper Flag just announced his mm-hmm. uh, commitment to Duke. Cannot wait to watch the second coming of Victor Weminyama come to campus. Um, but yeah, no, the ACC basketball, perhaps a different animal. Within the Pac-12, is there anyone, especially on the national landscape, you have your eyes on? I'm probably thinking, you know, UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Arizona tend to be the teams that come up. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like Bronny James will be out at least until after the new year. Because Is that because of the heart condition? Yeah. I haven't actually seen Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. However, Arizona, uh, really, really good these last few years. They lost a lot of talent. UCLA, six freshmen graduated and uh, drafted a lot of talent. But uh, USC... Another team that we've talked about a lot on this show that has a lot of good players, uh, but it never quite meshes. Are any of them you particularly scared of? Um, I don't know particulars. I I haven't followed Pac-12 basketball close too closely, but uh, I know you know UCLA always has a good program, and so that's always even just the name is often uh i don't know how the players handle it but that's often could be just a scary name to hear coming to campus yeah yeah how about you jacob Uh, i'm not worried about anybody i've said it over and over again this team is the real deal we're making it i i think we not only make the ncaa tournament i think we even get past the first weekend (laughs) we win a couple games in the tournament i love stoyakovich love I just I love everybody on this team. I love them all, um, and so yeah. I mean I yeah absolutely love it. Um, before we jump to professional sports, do want to give a, some love to two teams that are currently in season finishing up. First one is the women's soccer team, and the second is the volleyball team. Two teams ranked in the top five in the country right now. Um, women's soccer has their final game this Friday. It's against Berkeley, big game, senior night. They've got a whole host of seniors. They're currently ranked number three in the country, haven't lost an entire match this year. They just played number two UCLA. Maya Doms had a phenomenal goal. Um, so I want to give some love to women's soccer. And then volleyball, which we've also touched on, unfortunately just dropped their third match of the year in a game that I think they'd all really like to forget. But that is another program that is – Finishing up their season here in the fall, and and both teams really have national title aspirations, ranked in the top five. Uh, they they haven't just been competing to win the Pac-12; they're looking to bring home the big one, the national championship. So, I want to give some love to to both of those Stanford teams before we jump on to, to professional sports. You can't forget one of their counterparts, the men's soccer team, who uh, entering or hopefully exiting a rough stretch here. They're 19th in the country, but uh, next game is tomorrow at home, 7 p.m., and you can listen live on KZSU with none other than Diego making his live KZSU debut. So definitely tune in, 7 p.m., KZSU 90.1 FM, Stanford men's soccer versus San Diego State. Absolutely, and so we'll circle back with Cardinal around or sports around the farm at the end of the hour, but just want to give them some love now and Let's go ahead and turn our attention to professional sports. I think one of the most exciting new formats that's coming to the three major sports, the NBA in-season tournament, the courts just got released. Diego, 
what are your thoughts on this kind of, I mean, really cutting edge format for the NBA to introduce in its in its now? And I don't even know what year the NBA is in, but yeah, they, yeah, I'm like they just yeah. did seventy five, so I think yeah. seventy seven or something. So I mean, introducing this new format in in year seventy six or seventy seven. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the players respond. I think is the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, I think fans probably aren't going to take too kindly to it initially. Initially. But I think it'll be interesting to see if the players really want to play for it, especially once it gets to those semifinal games in Vegas, because those are going to be, the. I think the runner-up and the champion of the tournament are going to play an extra regular season game. And so it'll be interesting to see how, how seriously the players to take how seriously the players take it and how well uh, the teams respond to the idea of there being a second new uh, piece of hardware to play for this season. Absolutely. And so, you know, your Kings, currently one of the youngest franchises in the NBA, they don't have to rest players, but that's been all the rave, especially among veterans. I mean, LeBron's minutes currently being monitored for one of the first times in his career. How do you think players will respond given... um, that there, you know, some teams may play more games, but also that it kind of changes the way that you're playing games. It's now a tournament style rather than just, you know, one of 82. It does, it does change it, and I think the biggest thing is that the games also count for the regular season, so it's not like an in international soccer where it's games within a completely different competition that you have to, a completely different cup competition that you have to play, because in those scenarios, you, you often see uh, teams rest their players, uh, for those games and then give their younger guys some run. I think because it's a regular season game, you're going to see a lot less of that uh, during the in-season tournament, and I think it'll be interesting to see because the only extra game that's not going to count towards the regular season is going to be the championship. So I think there's going to be very little incentive to, or extra incentive to rest players during those games. And obviously the issue uh, Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA is trying to address by implementing the tournament is... Uh, just kind of a lack of importance to the regular season, right? Do you think this properly addresses that, at least to some degree? Or is it too early to tell? Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can tell until uh, we've had at least one year. Um, I think it's it's an interesting uh, proposition with the whole tournament and everything, and I'm I'm excited to see how fans respond because I think uh, a lot of them aren't gonna. Especially on like the Twitter side of things, I know fans don't like taking kindly to new things, and so um, I'm excited to see uh, how fans respond to the new tournament. It's interesting what the NBA has done; they've uh, given each team a brand new court. Even teams that historically haven't have only used one court, like the Celtics, have a new court for I think the first time in their history. No honeycomb. Yeah, exactly. No, the the parquet is gone for yeah, yeah. for these games. They and know they knew we were going to win the chip, and so they had to mix it up on us. They were requiring <laughs> us to mix it up. Oh man, delusional Celtics fans! <laughs> undefeated, we're the only undefeated team in the East. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see because uh, the new courts will, I think, benefit the fans, especially the casual fans who aren't as plugged in because it'll be automatically evident when it's a tournament game and also the fact that each team will be playing their home tournament games in their city edition uniforms I think will also uh, help benefit that. Yeah, so curious what y'all's two thoughts are on kind of the way they're spanning the tournament out though. It's no longer just, you know, four regular season games in your group stage. It's I think it begins, you know, this Friday and the final championship is 
in the middle of December or early December. They're calling them like tournament nights. Do y'all think that is better for the league, both for players and fans, or would y'all prefer to see four or five uh, games in sequence being part of this tournament? I really like that it's spread out personally. I think um, it'll it'll give a couple of extra juice to those nights in in season and. Hopefully the fans respond well to it, and I'm like, oh, it's a it's a tournament night. I gotta I gotta tune in for this one, and so hopefully the fans will uh, react well to that. I, I hate to push back, but I I personally feel like it's almost counteractive to the solution they're proposing. You know, you just say, hey, this game is more important than another, um, while the next night, you know, is just another regular season game. I feel like it's no different than, hey, it's just a nationally televised game with good teams, good players. Uh, I think condensing them into a back-to-back-to-back format having a period time or a a tournament period time would actually heighten both the stage um, the importance and definitely the engagement you know we see that with the World Cup we see that with just any regular playoff format I mean I obviously it'll take some iteration this is the inaugural tournament they'll get it figured out uh, but I don't think this is what it'll ultimately look at like. And obviously, logistically, it's going to be tough. Um, but I was, quite frankly, so surprised that they're beginning it like one, two weeks after the beginning of the regular season. Certainly, a mid-season tournament would feel more mid-season to me. Yeah, no, I actually, you know, this is something Zach and I haven't discussed on the air or off the air, but I completely agree. To me, there's still a lot of energy in the league. I mean, we're three or four games in now the league starts on or the in-season tournament starts on friday but it seems like some of the new energy with the league could would still play itself out a little bit longer in you've also got brand new i mean james harden just got traded you've got teams rosters are still completely up in the air the season just started seems like perhaps the league could have pushed it back a little bit um you know i'd argue maybe even beyond christmas because it seems like Christmas is like a really pivotal moment of the NBA of the NBA season. People tune in for that. So, yeah, I I don't know. I was somewhat surprised by that and also completely agree that it's an innovative idea, but like with anything else, it's going to take a few tries before they understand once implemented what fans and players actually like. Yeah, it's interesting because I think um obviously this this is the first tournament of its kind in the NBA. But the WNBA has something very similar with the Commissioner's Cup, that they do uh, something very similar. They have an in-season trophy. And then it's similar to soccer leagues worldwide where they're playing, and it's not uh, like the U.S. Open Cup, I believe, officially starts um, like two days after the final. So they they start having games two days through the final, and it's not that constant uh like one setting tournament like the World Cup is. And so it's interesting to have almost two simultaneous seasons going on. Right. I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, one other thing is that I think, you know, you mentioned how the NBA picks up around Christmas and you think maybe you want to see the tournament after Christmas. I, th- I think that's part of the reason it's before Christmas is because the NBA wants to try to pick up steam before right. then. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I am curious, you know, format aside, how it responds aside, or in the media, we care so much about who's going to win, predicting that, what that means. Do you anticipate a different victor in this tournament than whoever will be holding up the trophy in June? Like, is this something that will be a telltale sign of 
who's going to be around when it comes playoff time, or is it really just a, a matter of chance, really? I think it'll be completely different because a playoff basketball is such a different beast than regular season games, and the fact that it's a one-off, uh, you're playing each team once, and you don't have the chance like you do in a seven-game series to buckle down and adjust and scout and react exactly to the team that you're playing. And so I think it's going to be a lot different of a tournament. So what about intensity-wise? If you had to put the regular season on a scale 0 to 10 intensity-wise and then the NBA playoffs, where would you put each of those? Just, yeah, both of those numbers. I mean, usually the, you'd have to say the playoffs are a 10. That's when... that's when The whole it, playoff. Like yeah. Any round. Um, yeah, I would say so. As a Kings fan who's only been to the playoffs <laughs> once in my lifetime, that was definitely a ten. Um, yeah, that was a that was like a ten point five. Honestly, oh yeah, it, that was a that was a fun series. I'm I'm bummed we couldn't uh, finish the job, but that was a fun series. Okay, so we'll say playoffs out of ten. Regular season, where would you put that? Um, I'd say uh, it honestly depends on the team, but I'd say a lot of the games hover around a, a four or a five. And then where where do you think this slots in? I wouldn't be surprised to see it around a six or a seven. I think. okay, but still nowhere close to playoff. Maybe the final, even the semifinals, will get there, but that's about it. That, I guess that begs the question that I was going to ask next: is you put yourself in the shoes of a player? Are the incentives they're offering going to be enough, or is it is it too tough to tell? Because there's such differences in player salaries. You got guys like Steph, uh, Giannis just signed for like what sixty million a year, maybe even eighty million. I got to get the numbers straight. I think it was in the seventies. Actually, you might have hit both sides. <laughs> it's going to be a lot bigger of an incentive for Thanasis than it is for Giannis. Uh, well, I've seen some clips. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw a clip that said well, he is because Giannis is there. I saw I saw a clip of him uh, yesterday actually, and I was like, "This is why nepotism is terrible." And it was just him oh, doing yeah. such bonehead things. So, yeah. so each each winning player gets five hundred thousand dollars. Each losing player gets two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Obviously, the guys that are really making the wins happen are getting paid amounts that make those meager. But it, for the rest of the team, for everyone else involved, really, other than those few guys. Is this enough of an incentive to make them maybe push that six intensity up to a eight or nine? Well, we know that all of these guys are competitionaholics, except you know, except maybe the best basketball player in the world um, in Jokic. But the the rest Whoa. of them are. Whoa. <laughs> uh, but the rest of them, you know, they they thrive off of that competition and even the supposed adversity when the real adversity isn't there. And you know, Jokic kind of treats it like a day job, but he's excellent at it. So I don't, I don't mean to insinuate that he doesn't care. It's just I don't think he d- has that same Michael Jordan type. Like, I gotta find reasons to hate this guy to beat him. Right, right. He just goes out there and beats him. So we are four games in now, or I guess some teams have only played three. Season is just kicking off. Rosters still up in the air. The season's about to start. What teams have surprised you? Even in just four games, how how have you evaluated teams so far in the in the NBA? I mean, personally, I evaluate teams by uh, how they do when they play the Kings. So <laughs> the Warriors are looking great. Exactly, <laughs> Steph Curry's going nuclear again. So that's you know that that one that one hurt. Um, but I'm I think uh, I'm. I need to watch more Bucks games. I'm really interested to see how that partnership between Giannis and Lillard works. I think I know they're both locked in long term now, and I don't know how effective Lillard's going to be long term. But I think uh, 
the, that's going to be a scary duo. That's one to watch out for. Yeah, and Zach, throwing that over to you, three or four games into the season, how have you evaluated any teams? And are, what's, are you putting any stock into the performance that's happened so far? Um, no, four games, you, you can't put anything into it. You can diagnose some issues. You can begin to address them. Uh, but I, I think it's far, far too early to kind of view whatever issues are going on as final. Um, granted, some of them I wish they were final. The Memphis Grizzlies, 0-4. Gosh, I don't know if there's another team I dislike more. Uh, but I, I do, Classic I, Warriors fan. I do think that You know, it's a lot easier to dislike them with Steven Adams out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the one saving grace of their team, you know, gone. So... Um, I think that they'll obviously be better than 0 and 82. Um, but you know, aside from that, rather than a team, I think they're, they're individual players that I've been really surprised with. Jordan Poole, I'm obviously well familiar with him. I'm not surprised that he's so inconsistent, but I am surprised that that team has demonstrated such a lack of chemistry, especially with really the young talent that they do have. Like I think they're capable of more than being a bottom five team in the league. Uh, I'm very excited for two players in particular. Zion Williamson, if he can stay healthy, I would love for an all-NBA first-team performance. And he's definitely capable, but again, can he stay on the court? The same question we've been asking for the last six, seven years, which is why no one talks about him anymore. He's a ticking time bomb, and if he... If he stays, if he stays healthy, man, the league's gonna have to watch out. But they haven't had to yet. He's yeah, a ticking the time bomb is in, the one. In, in that people are waiting for it for a career-ending injury, or people are waiting for him to go off and stay off. Well, he's gonna go. He's gonna go off, and I think it's the only question is if his if his career or his I guess every season if it gets cut short because he has the talent and the ability to take over the league. Yeah. And it's he just hasn't been able to stay on the court. Yeah, the one the the one other person before before there's one other team that I'm I'm dying to address. Uh, Chet Holmgren though, you know, gonna have a rookie campaign. Mm-hmm. Maybe give Wemby a run for his money. Well, I, relax on that. I, relax. I, 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 I remain. I will. I, I will say Wemby has surprised me. I was not a Wemby believer. I thought he'd really struggle. He's performed incredibly. But Chet is is also showing a lot of signs of maturity. His strength is improved. Uh, defensively, he's there. His shooting off the charts, and he's at like sixty three percent from behind the arc now. Outrageous. Leads the league with that. That's crazy. Um, I'd love. I'm gonna. I'm gonna love to watch him. And the Thunder, really, really exciting team that I think will be a dark horse. Um, but a team that might not be a dark horse are the L.A. Clippers. Can we talk about that trade acquiring? Oh my gosh! Why? James, James, on, yeah. <laughs> James. I, was like, I thought you were building up dramatic effect. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it slipped on my mind. Acquiring James Harden, so they have Harden, C- Chris Paul. No, oh my gosh! Uh, it's oh, folks. <laughs> week six is a tough time on Stanford campus. You've got midterms. Mm-hmm. People are getting sick. People are losing their mind. Yeah. Okay, I am. Zach just found out his wrist is also <laughs> fractured. So it's been a tough time in the Zaffron household these days. Oh, okay. Russell Westbrook. Try number two. Try number two. Here we go. I called him Westbrook. That was instinctual. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden. Uh, you tell me that five, ten years ago. I'm I'm losing my mind. I'm thinking. Yeah, the uh, the Clippers with that trade just won the 2014 NBA championship. <laughs> 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 but what, yeah, it's ten year, nine years later. What does it mean now? I personally think it and. This is just me being maybe a bit of a cynic, but I think it's subtraction by addition. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that trade makes them any better. 
Really? I, I actually strongly disagree with that. I think this this trade for the Clippers is I think it shows they understand their front office understands they are gonna have to win now or yeah. this this trio or duo, I don't know, it depends on what level you put people in, is quickly fading out. And I honestly think this takes them from, you know, maybe a C to B tier contender up into that B to A uh level just by talent and experience i think the ceiling goes up significantly i don't know if they ever reach that ceiling but to me this now puts them in a similar bucket with uh the nuggets the suns yeah maybe even just i'm not saying the Warriors. maybe the warriors are the key not the warriors actually but Where do you it, think they finish in the west you know i think a lot of it is going to depend on how those five gel together i don't i don't know i could see them finishing in like a four or five spot and then if they hit, if they get hot at the right time, I think that team, defensively especially, could be really, really good. Yeah, I, I will say, like, I'm not scared of them in the regular season, but like you said, playoff basketball is an entirely different animal. You have those four, not just all-stars, but superstars, as well as the fact that they hung on to Terrence Mann. P.J. Tucker is a guy you want in the playoffs. I mean, Mason Plumley going to keep it stuck down low do whatever if they can just will their way to decent seating in the playoffs i i i do fear i do fear but obviously that that's a ways away um the suns though you mentioned them two and two right now uh a crazy ending that was ridiculous last night in which they gave up was four or five points in the last few seconds to lose how have you been either impressed or disappointed in the Suns thus far, obviously after acquiring Bradley Beal in the offseason? Um, I mean, when I saw that, was it Book and Beal were both sitting out the second game? I was like, here we go. This is the start of it. Um, I, You know, it's interesting. The West is so loaded, and I don't they, – they have so many good teams, all teams that you could see making a run for it in the playoffs. But it's interesting because a lot of them are not built for the regular season, it feels, and a lot of them like to sit out. And with the with the new rules geared towards players not sitting out that the NBA is implementing this year, it'll be interesting to see how they how those teams um, try to get around those because I think they will. I don't think they're going to try to play all their players. And, man, you just look at that Pacific division. There's not a bad team in the division. I still – man – I still think the Clippers are the, probably the Lakers are the worst team in that division. Lakers for sure. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe a hot take here, but I just I, I see so many parallels between the Suns and the Clippers. But I just think the Clippers have a beat both in terms of depth. Um, you know, obviously I'd say Beal and Book maybe outshine what is a fair to say washed um, Westbrook and getting there with Kawhi. Uh, but still, I think that if things are really firing on all cylinders, things are clicking. I, I take the Clippers probably four out of five times it might be a slight homer take but i still especially in the regular season i see the kings outlasting all those teams wow. Wow. just like they did last year they they finished first in the division they i mean i know divisions don't matter much in in basketball but i think i think those teams are they're all postseason heavy teams and in the regular season the kings with the ability to have those young guys and to not sit any of them to play 82 hard games every year, I think it'll be 
um, it's a successful formula, at least in the regular season. And we'll get a good test of it today with De'Aaron Fox out against the Warriors, a good test of their depth. I was going to ask you, does that injury concern you at all? So early in the season, obviously, so much time to recover, but a long road ahead. Like, you know, these new rules being implemented to diminish any sort of rest like is he going to be almost incentivized to not sit out is he going to be trying to play through injury is this a long-term issue for this season that might i don't know inhibit on lighten the beam come may and june De'Aaron Fox is zach was way too happy (laughs) (laughs) De'Aaron fox is just that guy anyways so he's he was he's not trying to sit out um i don't know if you caught any of the game where he got injured but he Got he twisted his ankle. He got injured in about halfway through the fourth quarter. Went to the locker room, came back out for the end of the fourth quarter and for overtime, and hit a three to get them to overtime. So I think he's going to want to get back out there as soon as he can. And it's honestly up to the Kings medical staff to make sure he doesn't get out there before then. But I don't think Fox is going to have a problem. And it's something I've loved about the Kings uh, this year and last year is their willingness to play through uh, injury and to stay on the court when a bunch of others won't. They had Harrison Barnes, who was one of the only like three players to play out 82 games. One of my favorite players of all time. De'Aaron Fox played through, uh, or Devonta Sabonis played through a broken thumb for like 75% of the season. De'Aaron broke his thumb game two of that Warriors series. And Sounds like a lot of excuses for a loss to the Warriors. Hey, I'm not making any excuses. I'm just saying I still played. Because personally, if Chris Paul does that, he's done for the season. Okay, so jumping conferences real quick. 76ers finally deal James Harden. How do you evaluate them now? I mean, it seems like the number of stars that have come in and out of Philadelphia is absurd now. Um, besides Joel Embiid, obviously, but... Clippers take James Harden. Um, they also get P.J. Tucker and Philip uh, Petrusev. 76ers get Marcus Morris, Covington, Nick Batom, and K.J. Martin, and a couple of picks. Are the Clippers, or sorry, are the 76ers a contender in the East after this trade? Yes or no? I think Maxie's Maxie's going to get a bigger role, and I think that's going to help them a lot. So we have a yes. Zach, where do you stand on that? I think they're pretenders it doesn't mean that they're bad I just don't think that they're gonna be in the finals I'm probably not even the conference finals I think it's Maxie's time to shine um he's basically been given the keys obviously Embiid and Tobias Harris who's taken a big backseat role though um will, will lead this team far um but we're not talking about any sort of real title contention um so pretender status right for now okay get into the playoffs because the east isn't that deep yeah so Three to four games into the season, it's way too early, but we love to do it anyways. Who are your two conference final matchups? We'll throw it over to you first, Diego. Who do you got in the West? Who do you got in the East? I want to say I want to say Kings Nuggets so bad. Um, well, that <laughs> just own it. You know, go for I, it. Own I it. think it. Uh, you know what? I'm maybe not the Kings this year. I think this year it'll be. Probably the Nuggets, and then probably either the probably the Suns. I think. Wow. Okay, and then in the East, the East, I see, I see Milwaukee coming out, and then Boston, unless they run into Miami before that. 
Okay, Zach, throwing it over to you. Yeah, it just feels like too low-hanging fruit to not say Celtics-Bucks. That's got to be the obvious thing in the East. Unless, of course, maybe some weird seeding occurs where they have to knock each other out before. Who knows? Someone sneaks up. Those guys go 2-3. Um, but it's going to be one of those two in the finals. Um, in the West, I hate, and I mean hate the Nuggets. But, yeah, they'll, they'll be in there. The question really is, is who? Is it going to be a, a Steph Curry, Chris Paul led? That's a crazy That's start. A That's a <laughs> um, or a team like the Suns, the Clippers, you know, just really strong star power that wills them there. Um, you can say the same for, for Doncic and uh, the Mavericks. I yeah, I mean, they've started out ridiculous as I'm well. I'm the biggest Doncic hater there is, okay? That's crazy <laughs> considering he's averaging like 40 points a game um, right now. You know, I, okay, lock it in. Two two teams, Western Conference, who yeah, you got? Yeah, so the Nuggets, and it's going to hurt to say the Clippers, man. It's going to hurt to say the Clippers beating the Warriors in the second round. Ironic. Zach and I have done too many shows because we had the exact same four teams. <laughs> I have Celtics, Bucks, and I have, yeah, I have Clippers, Nuggets. Um, but, okay, before we wrap it up, we have just four minutes. We'll go back to an old segment, just... We like to call it Around the Farm, which is just, you know, giving some love to maybe some of the teams that, you know, don't get enough attention. People love, and us including, you know, talk about football all the time, but there's so many teams on. So I want to go ahead and start with the cross-country teams. Yes. Yes, sir. I mean, a freshman, two Australians coming in, one a freshman, one the reigning NCAA champion, both win an individual and the teams win. Huge shout-out to the cross-country team. Absolutely dominating Pac-12s. They're gearing up for uh, what looks to be a, a relatively promising postseason. So as someone who just started running once again, absolute shout-out to the people that are dominating on the course. Yeah, I, I saw Jacob. You, if you guys are around Lake Lagunitas, you're in the area, find that guy maybe late afternoon. You'll definitely see him running, putting <laughs> in the work. Okay, now to you, Zach. Who do you who's who are you giving some love to today? Uh, specifically on the cross country t- team, got to shout out Rob D. Donato. Look, former Pac-12 freshman of the year, been a down year until he went ahead, finished ninth in the country, and posted a personal best, which was probably the difference maker in Stanford finishing first in Pac-12. So the individual shout out there. Uh, but otherwise, a team of sustained greatness. Stanford men's water polo, the 14-5 and five record, probably lower than they'd like, but, I mean, piecing together some really great wins. Most recent loss only against number one UCLA, and before that, number one Cal. I mean, the losses they've taken are just against the best teams, um, and I think that they have been battle-tested. Two games left in the regular season before the MPSF tournament, and fingers crossed for a title run in the NCAA tournament. Yep, Diego. Any teams you want to give some you, love to? You did steal my team in the oh. in the men's water polo, but I did want to quickly shout out the women's basketball team gearing up for their final Pac-12 season. I know we talked a lot about a lot about the men's team, but I think the women's team is going to uh, try to avenge their early exit in the tournament last year and hopefully have another uh, another positive season this year. That uh, that number fifteen ranking a a little disrespectful, no? I think I think so. I think I think we're gonna finish a little higher in the postseason rankings. Well, if you guys want to listen to that game, I will actually be on the broadcast on KZSU tonight, seven p.m. Stanford women's basketball kicks off their season against Dominican. 
But other than that, uh, it has been an awesome show welcoming for the first time. Diego, welcome to the Sports Zoo. You guys can hear him live tomorrow night, 7 p.m. on KZSU1. That's 90.1 FM for Stanford Men's Soccer versus San Diego State. With that, we're going to go ahead and close it. So as always, stay late, wear red, and go card. Stay tuned for another wonderful hour here coming up on KZSU 90.1 FM.